Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Today I think the Lord is bringing the last meal of the year. Like He always, He cannot be un, ungiven, you know what I mean? He, he's always going to give more than we can give. He's always the father of our faith and today we're coming out of the bat under this topic, under the title, Bridge to Our Tomorrow. I would say, you know, if you were allowing me to invent a little bit the wheel, I would say access to our tomorrow. But I really believe that God is leading us to think about it as a bridge, as a bridge. And before we go to our tomorrow, we have to we have to understand that they are dreams. And before we go to our dreams or our tomorrow, or maybe our scheduling, our planning for this coming year, we got to think. We got to think that God uses promises, really. He uses promises to, to bridge our today to our tomorrow. And as we are going into this, this transition from one year to another, 21 to 22, 2021 to 2022, with everything that he brought, the factors, the issues, the blessings, the opportunities, the needs, everything that he brought. God is wanting us to focus that he is using everything, everything that we have had this year as a bridge to our tomorrow, especially the promises of God. And in this, we got to say that God is a God of generations. He doesn't come and and say, hey, I want to do this only with you. He comes and says, I want to do this with everyone, with you, and with everyone that comes after you and after them. God is a God of generations. I don't want to go and, and lose my tempo now because we are about to finish this year, and I, I really want to finish it with the right leg. We have been reading the Psalms, and I really hope that you have been enjoying them, and actually having the fruits and the, and, the, and the extract of what it brings into your life. Remember, even if you start today, you will have to read probably 15, 14 a day, but, but you will make it probably. I'll probably a little bit more than that. But I'm hoping that you have been reading with us. Remember that we have been doing this for already a month and five a day would have completed it. But if you have not read all of them, try to just extract the ones that God has been really highlighting for you the psalms have so much for us to be able to capture in our hearts and god can speak to your life in a very rich way god is a god of generations but also if we're going to think about it we gotta we gotta put some underlining covers into that so we can digest that truth if god is a god of generations god is a god of the collective and not only this god needs dedication and is a big factor for us to be able to access this God of the collective. When we go to Genesis 9 and we go into verses 7, 9 and 10 and 12, we can see that God is a God of covenant and a God of multiplication. I would say even a covenant of multiplication. Let's just read together. Genesis 9, 7, right now it says, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number and multiply on earth and increase upon it. The context of these verses that we are starting to read now is actually Noah after he believed God. He believed God. He believed a promise. He believed one of the desires of God for his life. 
He believed what no one will believe. He believed what cannot be conceived even in his own senses. No one lived in a moment that he had never experienced rain, but God said to him, I'm going to make it rain so much, you're going to need something that we call a boat, an ark. Are, are we ready to live the things that God is wanting us to do? And he says, I want you to be fruitful. After he had lived, after he had been faithful, after he had gone through dedication, and as we said, he plays a big part. We're going to talk about it next Sunday. Don't worry about it. But today, we want to underline that he's a God of generations. Why? Because he wants us to fruitful, to be fruitful and increase in number. He doesn't want it to stop in us. He wants us to multiply on earth and increase upon it. Multiply and increase. So we can say that God is a God of the collective. God wants us to increase and multiply. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to increase and multiply. Verse 9 says, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants. It's not only with you. I establish my covenant with the ones that are coming after you. And it says, I now establish my covenant with you and with descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you and then he starts mentioning creation and how the birds and every other animal was with Noah and God said I will bless I will bless all these things and I will bless them I will have a covenant I will establish all these things in earth because you were faithful unto me everything you're faithful unto God God will manage to multiply that he will be able to increase that into different generations God is calling you to know the God of the collective it's not only about you this year has not been only about you the things your family your workmates all of them have been blessed because you have been in their lives this is the God that we serve a God that is multi-generational he's the God of the collective and he has a covenant over your life and everything you touch is going to be blessed with a covenant of multiplication and establishment the Lord is so good to us. If we go to verses 12, actually it says, And God said, this is the sign. This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. And then he talks about the rainbow. He talks about when you have experienced what I am doing, he, when you experience me fertilizing the land, when you're experiencing me moisturing the land for more fruits to come, you will know that I have established you. That I don't only multiply you, but I establish you in the land. If we go to Genesis 17, 7, it says very clear for us that he's a God of covenant of faith. And it says, I will establish and I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. He's not only acquainted with all in our needs and the, the things that we are about in the land. He wants us to understand that he wants to keep our relationship not only what we have, he provides to us 
and not what the land provides for us only, but he wants us to have a relationship with him that stands from generation to generation. It is amazing to me that God first encouraged us with the blessing and then shared his heart. It sounds like a father to me. Sometimes it takes a couple years for our kids to understand that it's not only a gift that we give them in a season like we are in, but we are just giving them a token of what we feel for them. In different households, it will have different measures, but probably the same spirit, the same motivation, the same heart. It is our love for them. So we don't only want to multiply them, we don't only want to establish in them land, we want them to understand our heart. And it's the same with God. He's actually creating a covenant of faith through Genesis 17, 7 with us. And not only that, he wants to make it an everlasting covenant. He wants to make it a covenant of unity, a bond, a soul tie with his spirit. He wants us to be bound so much to his spirit that we're able to live by generations together with him. If we go to Exodus 3, 15, we also see a covenant that is transcendental because it talks about inheritance. We go in there and it says, God also said to Moses, I remind you, Exodus 3, 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord of God, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. He wants us to understand that he's a God of covenant, but not only of a covenant that has to do with multiplication and faith and everlasting God and being established. He wants us to understand that he's a God that makes a covenant of inheritance. He makes a covenant of promise and restoration. But not only that, he makes a covenant with us of royalty. If we look at the life of Abraham, he was a man that had nothing going for him. He was a man that was old and married and he had no inheritance. He only was clinging into a promise that he will have more than his wife and him as a family. The Lord had given him a promise. An age and time had gone by and he had not been able to see it. But he waited upon the Lord. And although he had some hiccups like you and me sometimes, Abraham is known as the father of every major faith, even till today in the world. The three major faiths in the world still observe Abraham or Abram as one or the father of the faith. Abram was become, he has become Abraham to us because he was observed like with God as a man that believed God. And through that, the promise came. And if we understand promise and we say that God is a God of covenant and inheritance through Abraham, we will understand the promise. The promise of Abraham that he will have an offspring. And his offspring is going to be as much as the stars in the sky or the sand in the sea. And he had Isaac. And Isaac was a man that brought restoration into the land. Isaac was a man that after he had grown, that has passed he had, had, had dug wells all over the land and the enemies of his people had cluttered them and had taken over them. 
This was a man that was so dedicated to the promises of God that he unclogged them and he kept unclocking and taking the land as his father owned it. He was a man that brought restoration, restoration to the promise. I don't care and it doesn't really have to matter today to you even what any other in your generations have given up. What other areas in your life are not really satisfied. God can be the satisfaction in each one of them. You don't have to lack. You have not been born to be lacking. You have been born to be following a God that overcomes your lack with the fulfillment of his promises. And generation after generation, that promise is in you. And he's with your seed. It's with your kids. And the kids of your kids, they're going to be blessed in the land. Are you with me? Isaac didn't only say that he was the father of Abraham. He said also that he was the father of Isaac and Jacob. And through Jacob, he introduced to us the covenant of royalty. And as we see the story of Jacob and a little bit of the context of him, he was actually called Jacob and his name means trickster. It means deceitful one, the one that tricks. But through him, God decided to bring a covenant of royalty of the one that is a prince. If we look at the background, Jacob didn't belong to the line of the promise. It was his brother. He was not the firstborn. But God has a way of blessing you when he has chosen you for where you don't belong. God has a way of making things come up to the plan of the dreams and the desires that he has for your heart. He doesn't break the rules. He's just going to bless you. And that's a promise. Exodus 3.15, a covenant of inheritance, of promise, of restoration, and of royalty. That's the God of the collective. We also have the God that sees you. And as we see, this is the second point of today. We can go into Psalms 33 and it is beautiful what God promises for us today. Actually, it's, it's kind of pivotal for our faith in many levels. It says that he has eyes on us. If we go, it says, it will be 33:18, And it says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is his unfailing love. His eyes are on us. So we don't only serve, not only celebrate today, we're not only finishing our year in front of the God of the collective, the one that remembers us from before the foundations of the world. We also are celebrating and honoring a God that sees us. He sees us. He sees us and his eyes are upon, it says your Bible, on the ones that have reverence. His eyes are on those who fear him. That means the ones that revere him that think upon him as the greatest thing in their life. The one have established him as the center of their life. His eyes are on those. And there's many ways we can demonstrate that we have God in the center of our lives. Second thing, his eyes are on us. For those that have hope, for those who hope, his hope is an unfailing love of God. The hope means the faith 
those that are believing on the unfailing love of God. God is asking us to understand in this season that he sees us. Psalm 33, he says that his eyes are on us, that we don't have to doubt, that we're going into a new year, but we have a God that knows us from before. We don't go alone. We are not crossing that mark without his promises, without his provision. We are going to do bigger things next year. We're able and available because we fear him. We revere him. We have our hope. We have our faith in the right place in his unfailing love. And love corrects us. And I know I lost some people right now. Someone is going to click off. Don't worry. God bless you. See you next week. But the reality of life is that love corrects. Anyone that has been corrected with time, if he's humble enough, will understand that it was because it was loved. If it was done in the right way, in the right spirit, clearly. I don't know you, but I have some of my own, some kids. And sometimes you wonder why God blessed you with them. That would be the way that I want to say it. Uh, because you need to say things that they don't want to listen. As they grow, they think they know more than you. And I remember when I did that. So I have extra empathy, but no patience like my parents probably had. But I am looking at that love. I am trying to love with the fear of God, with the reverence of God. I'm trying to see the promises of God. I'm trying to see even the God of the collective in them, that it has nothing to do only with me, but it's a multiplication, that he establishing them in the land. And I having to have eyes to see from that perspective, the perspective of the promise, I'm needing to see that this faith is not only mine, it's their faith. And they're learning how to walk with him as well. I need to be in love with God for this. I don't know if you find any area, maybe that's not you, maybe that's not kids for you, but maybe you are needing to have an encounter with God, an encounter with the love of God in some area of your life to be able to see it through, to see the promise. Second word behind this title of God sees us is in Jeremiah 1, 5th. And as we read it, we go and we say, God, God goes before us. And it says, Jeremiah 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Let's just unpack that a little bit. God says before. And before means out of time. Before you were born. But we didn't exist before we were born, apparently. Science says today that we didn't exist before we were born. Or maybe have we gotten this wrong? Maybe it's a good question. Food for thought. Before I formed you, though. See, science is trying to talk about when we are forming in the womb. But God said before I formed you. So science now is against what God is forming in the womb. And we're not going to go to there because I'm losing clicks right now. But for, for thought, maybe you want to read the Bible every now and then and really commit to the cross. Before I formed you. Before I formed you. In the womb, I knew you. So God is the God of before time. God is not bound by our chronos. See, when we are getting formed, there we go under the law of chronos. 
but God runs in the law of Kairos. Kairos is an external law. It's the, it's the timing of God. Kronos is the timing of man, and Kairos is the timing of God. So God is talking about in his Kairos. He formed us. Before I formed you in the womb, in his Kairos, he knew us. And although we are in our Kronos now, although we have been created and formed, we're living, we have come out of the womb, he has set us apart before. He says, before you were born, I set you apart. So there's no shadow, there's no shadow or doubt that before we were in the Kronos, we were in the Kairos, and in that Kairos, he set us apart. So as we walk on what he talked and thought about us in his Kairos, although we are in the Kronos, his law of Kairos is superior to our Kronos. And this year, as we ended, we got to understand that he knew us before, and that truth is higher than any argument around. And this is the truth of the Lord. This is the God that sees you. Before you knew, he knew you. Before you had the question, before the words came out of your mouth, I love you, I knew you. I knew your thoughts, says your Bible. So this year, we cannot let it end before we actually reconcile, reconcile or we allow that God creates a bridge to our tomorrow with the truth of his gospel. We need to know that he's not only the God of the collective, he's not a historic God, but in our today, in our chronos, we're still living and ripping the fruits of his kairos, of his strength, or his knowledge over our lives. Are you with me? Before, he's outside of time. Second, God, his knowledge, his knowledge is before our experience. Sometimes we think that we start when we are experiencing something, but it started when God dreamt about it. Next year, we're going to start with that, and I believe that God is bringing something amazing for us as a church worldwide. Third thing, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to wait. I'm going late. Set apart. That's such a beautiful thing when God says, I have set you apart. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet. I appointed you as someone that would explain my heart to the people. Prophet is just an expensive word, we will call it. Uh, such a glamorous word. Just to explain that this is a person that explains. I shows you, I set you apart so you explain my heart to the people. Before you were born. Before your chronos in my kairos. I set you apart so you will explain my heart to the people. I chose you. And this is the God that sees you. This is the God that sees you. The one that chooses you. His eyes are on you and he chooses you. And he appoints you. He points you into a task. He gives you a purpose bigger than you to explain who he is. Are you with me? Third point in this one that God sees you in says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 12a, and with this one, we got to be careful because we might like it too much. Jeremiah 12, 3a, part a, says, yet you know me, Lord. I mean, a lot of things have happened, Lord, but yet you know me. I mean, 
I did that, Lord, but yet you know me. Father, um, this is going on, but yet you know me. You see me and test my thoughts about you. I don't know if it happens to you, but sometimes you don't live the way that you think. <laughs> maybe that's me. Maybe you're holier than me. Maybe uh, that's your cousin, or maybe that's my cousin. Let's just blame it on them. They're not here seeing, so maybe you want to share this video, and they'll probably blame you. So Jeremiah 12:3 says, I trust you because you know me, Lord. It's actually saying I didn't know everything, essentially. You know me. You know me, Lord. Yet you know me. Yet I didn't act it the way I should have acted. Maybe this is the, in the context of Jeremiah complaining to the Lord. He was a prophet to the people, but he was complaining to God. And he's saying, but you know me. I'm complaining. I complain. I complain. I don't know if you, but I complained several times this year. 360 days. There have some left right now. Um, I have complained a couple of times. I don't know you, but I have done it. And if you didn't, it's your choice. You're in your chance. But I did. Yet, yet you know me, Lord. And as we repent from our complaining, we can see that, that these words mean a lot more that we can bargain for. It says, you see me and test my thoughts about you. How are we thinking about God? See, I trust you. I don't know, you know, but what are my thoughts about you? If you're the God that sees me, you can explain unto me what are my thoughts? What are the ways that I'm taking? It's not my thoughts. I want to have your intimacy and I want to have your accuracy in my thoughts. Lord, this year that is coming, lead me to have your accuracy before we finish this 2021. I want to have the accuracy of God. I want to have the intimacy that empowers what he has promised in my life and through my life. I want his thoughts. Lord, test my thoughts. You see me. You see me. And last, we have the God and the glory of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as we are going in, in our context, we see Paul. Paul, a slave of God. I know that word has become dirty to our generations. But he considered himself a slave because he knew his life was not of his. He considered himself a slave because he had surrendered to a Lord that was higher than what his eyes could see. Lord, what do you want me to do? His first encounter with Jesus in Damascus, and the way to Damascus, you can go back in your Bible for this. He didn't see Jesus. He just saw a stray light. Yesterday we were talking about into the light. But he just saw a light that showed him that he was not in charge. Paul understood that that light had made him, had actually paid for him, and he considered himself a slave, a slave of God. I know that most of us would not fancy or like thinking about ourselves like a slave today. Maybe for some of us, our family members, that means something negative. But Paul, he said, I am a slave of God. 
He's my God. He's my glory. He's my yesterday, my today, and my tomorrow. Paul wrote to Philippi. And Philippi, actually, the name of this city, it was a city that he established the first church in. And he, he's, the name of the city came from Philip II, from Macedon. He was the father of Alexander the Great. And we all know about Alexander the Great, but we don't know about his father. His father gave the name of this city. This, just a little bit of context for you. And Paul was there establishing the first church in a melting pot. Why a melting pot? Because this city had become a meeting place for Greeks and Romans. And we're talking about nearer to the mentalities that actually rule the world today. Today the world is ruled by a Roman mentality of tatalarism and the Greek mentality of freedom. We have forgotten the values of the Christ that died for us. The abolished that slavery over humanity and as we are seeking and seeing God today more and more we see that distraction from the real principles that lead us into freedom we are here catapulted to Philippi Philippi we are here to think about the God of our yesterday our today and our tomorrow and why because God is our supply in all those ways in what way he's our God of our yesterday, today, and tomorrow? He's the God of our yesterday in time. He's of God, our God of our, of our today in time. He's our God of our tomorrow in time. Because we're talking about chronos. We're also talking about finances. He's our supply in our finances. Also, he's the God of our yesterday, today, and tomorrow, health. Not because other generations have suffered from some kind of illness. You have to suffer that. God breaks that chain. He is your God of today. And his glory in your life breaks all those things. He's your supply. Not your, your bloodline. Nor your genetics. God is your supply. If we go into this, we got to understand that God breaks the times. And he breaks our wisdom into this. You're able to do things that your family members were not able to do. You're able to understand information. You're able to understand concepts in a way that no one else before you and your family was able to do. And that doesn't mean you're so special. That means that God put it that in your life. And if you're able to give the glory, he's the God of your yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the glory of your yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If you're able to put the glory in his hand, he will give you life. He will be able to supply time, finances. He's going to be able to give you health, good health. Not only finances, but good finances. Finances that don't get you apart from God. Not only health, but good health. Not health that you were abused. Not only time, but the ability to redeem time in your lifetime to do more in less so he's not only the God of the collective he's not only the God that sees you he's the God of your yesterday today and tomorrow and his glory before you finish this year wants to seal the promise so he gets you ready to be a bridge he gets all these things ready to lead you on this bridge because it's not only about you again God is so in love with how he put it in it. 
why he put it in your life. Why he has planned ahead. He wants to tell you that he's your supply. As we close, God is looking for four people, for a church that is able to understand that he sees them. That he, he doesn't see them although as, as part of a mass only, but he has planted them each, you and me, in a specific way. That before you experience your life, he already knew you. That if you have any doubts and if there's anything in your life that is not feeling like sufficed, he can fulfill it. If you are hearing me, and if you have not taken a decision for Jesus, if you have come into this place, into this moment in history, if you have not taken a decision for Jesus, I want to pray for you. And as the worship team comes by, I really want to, to really ask you to think about what God has been talking unto you. If you have not made a decision and you want to make that prayer, you can repeat after me. Jesus, I confess that I've done things that maybe are not right, Lord. And I don't know all of them, but you know. Will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart? Will you come into my life, my mind, and be my only Lord, my only Savior? Father, I don't need religion. I need your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that prayer, I believe that the Lord is starting to work in your life and give you a new inheritance. Problems, things are going to be there. But you got to still capture this word that his promises, although you might not know them, they're going to be there for you. You're going to be able to start living them as you get closer to him. He sees you. He takes care of you. And he's your God of yesterday. The things that didn't go well yesterday, he can redeem them. He can make them new. Our today is in his hand. Have faith. Believe in him. And see him do great things for you. And your tomorrow is going to be full of dreams that not only you, but the ones that are coming after you are going to be able to experience. In Jesus' name. If you have been walking with God and still you are not feeling like you are in the apex of your relationship with Him. If you're walking with God but you don't feel that you have been walking the way that you have to be walking. God is wanting to say encourage you. This year that is coming, I have new things but I don't want you to spoil the last days. I want you to go ahead and from now on understand that I see you. That I have been taking care of you. That I am going ahead of you that I am your God. I'm creating a bridge to your tomorrow. And I pray for you the strength of God, the spirit of God, the promises of God, the revelation of God, the freedom of God over, over your life, over your seed, over your people, over your relationships, over your workspace, over your finances, everything in your life, everything submitted to this promise. In the name of Jesus Christ. See you next year. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanger.org, 
for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.